before this episode officially begins, I'd really appreciate it if you all listening right now would join me in a brief moment of silence for Donesh. Donesh was my good friend Max's housemate, and about a month ago, he and a couple other friends came home and found that Donesh had unfortunately taken his own life. So if you could, let the moment of silence start now. If you guys are struggling or know someone who's struggling with suicidal thoughts, please do something. Please talk to someone. And if you know someone like that, please be there for them. And even if you don't think they're suffering, just check in emotionally with them sometimes because people are very, very good at hiding their hardships, especially if they've been enduring it for a long time. And they won't ask for help because they don't think they deserve it because they feel alone and helpless. So show them that they're not. I always think about, you know, how these people who take their own lives feel like often no one really cares about them, but if they can only see how upset and how severely, severely affected the people around them become because of it, maybe if they could see how much people truly loved and cared for them, then they would change their minds. Maybe they wouldn't go through with it. But the best we can do now is remember them for the person they were and how they positively impacted our lives. Now, I didn't know Donesh personally. Um, I did play Among Us with him and Max once, so I was briefly introduced. And I'm thankful I at least know how his voice sounded. He was very friendly and jovial from what I could make out, but gone too soon is what they always say, and it's true. But yeah, if you're struggling, really listen to me when I tell you people do care about you. And I won't lie to you, maybe it's not that many people who care, maybe it's only one. But that one person should be enough of a reason to live. If you won't live for yourself, at least live for them. We only have one life, and once it's gone, it's gone. So you might as well ride it out. Alright, I love you guys. On with the episode. to humanitis the final episode of 2020 oh man where do i begin um okay we'll get into some more serious stuff quote unquote serious stuff later but i got a bone to pick with someone and i don't know who's responsible for this but listen up okay this is important do you all know the difference between roller skates and rollerblades up until a little bit ago I used them interchangeably but someone told me that roller skates are the ones with the two wheels in front and two wheels in the back of the foot sort of forming like this square of wheels while rollerblades are the ones with the wheels that line up vertically up and down your foot in a straight line and I was like okay all right that makes perfect sense a blade is a straight piece of whatever metal so visually it makes sense 
but there's some bullshit going on here because what about ice skates? By this logic, shouldn't they be called ice blades? I mean, there's a literal blade on the bottom of the quote-unquote skates. Why are they called ice skates? It's not like there's two mini blades at the toe and two other mini blades at the foot. Like roller skates, right? I want to know what the lack of continuity in these names is all about. If roller blades are skates with one strip of wheels, 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 why aren't ice skates who have one strip of blade not called ice blades since they share the same layout? If the reason, what I'm saying is, if the reason for naming roller skates and roller blades differently is solely because of how the wheels look and how they're arranged on the bottom of the foot, then it should follow that ice skates shouldn't be called ice skates but ice blades because roller blades are in the same format and layout as ice skates. But they're, the, the suffix is different, right? Like, obviously, it doesn't really matter. No one gets confused by the term ice skates. But just, I want to I know the rationale behind roller blades and roller skates. And how roller blades are called such because of how the wheels line up. And roller skates are called such because of how the wheels line up two and two. But ice skates, not only are ice skates formatted like roller blades, but there's also a literal blade on the skates. So why are they called ice skates? Why are, why are we naming things differently now? I... Now, does this really matter? Of course not. But that doesn't mean it shouldn't annoy you. All right. I was at the airport on the 20th, so five days before Christmas, I was traveling back home. And what's awesome about airports is that you have people from all over the world, all walks of life and all types of different characters, all crammed into one building. Granted, it's a big building, but everywhere you look, you'll find yourself staring at someone thinking, huh, that's interesting. And when I was there, there was this older dude, a little on the heavy side, I'd guess like mid 60s to early 70s. He had long, white, curly hair and circular glasses and a white beard. Now, what old, fat, white-bearded man does this remind you of? Yeah, Santa Claus. So this man really dug into the Santa Claus aesthetic because he also had on red pants and a red t-shirt. And the t-shirt had the design of a suit printed on it, a Santa suit. It was obvious that this man knows he looks like Santa because he took it upon himself to really dive into the cosplay of him but he didn't just dress like santa he acted like him too and that's when things got a little bit weird i would say he was he was like going around to different families all of which had kids you know just chilling around the boarding gate and talking to them which sounds kind of cool right like oh this kind stranger is brightening these kids' days by asking them what they want for Christmas. It's like mall Santa, but instead of you going to see him, he's coming to see you. But the way he was talking to them, I wouldn't go as far as to say it gave me pedo vibes, but something about him was off and sort of cuckoo. Alright, so he went up to these two kids who, by the way, looked as though they had no parents because they were just at their own table 
bouncing around. But he went up to them and he was like, now which one of you kids was naughty this year? Hmm? And it was a girl and a boy. And the girl looks up and points across the table at the boy, who I assume was her brother or something. And the boy was like, no, you're the naughty one. Santa, it's her. Take her. And then Mr. Santa starts dancing. He started like bouncing left and right, pivoting his weight from one leg to another. And then he goes, oh, ho, ho, seems as ye both be naughty. First of all, you're Santa Claus, not an Irish pirate. But then he says, well, maybe I should take both of you home with me. Pause. I realized that the little boy was the one who initiated the language, saying, it's her, Santa, take her. But dude, as a grown man, you can't just dress up as this character that most kids their age idolize and adore and go out in public saying you're going to take them home with you, you weirdo. And it was at this juncture that the children's dad shows up, and he says something along the lines of, hey, can you please leave me and my kids alone or something? And Santa pivots and drops the character and <laughs> completely drops the character. And he just goes, you got it, man. And then he turns and goes away. But he doesn't walk away. Nah, 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 nah. That's not how Santa rolls. This man does an about face like he's a soldier in boot camp, turns, and then skips away. Yeah, he skips down the terminal, and then he passes another family, and he does that motion people do when they're trying to scare someone, like pump-faking them and outstretching your arms. So he does this to another family walking towards him and goes, Merry Christmas! The kids jump, the mom and the dad jump, and they're good sports about it. They laugh. But dude, forget the weirdness of it all. In the moment, as I'm watching this old man terrorize people at the airport, and threatened to kidnap kids, albeit in a lighthearted attitude, but still creepy. If you were there, you would understand. But it wasn't his pirate accent or creepy tone in which he was talking to the kids that stuck out to me the most. It was something much less important. Bro, this man's skipping form was out of this fucking world. Imagine someone skipping, or if you're outside listening to this or have enough space around you right now, skip yourself. When most people skip, they bounce up and down as they switch feet. It's sort of a choppy mechanic. Not Santa Claus. When Santa skips, he doesn't just skip, all right? He glides, he floats, like a gazelle frolicking through the forest. His knees were bending at almost a right angle, and so his center of mass was brought down like three feet lower than a standing height. It kind of looked like he was about to sit down. That's how low he was. And his feet barely left the ground. It didn't even look like they did at all. And then from his waist upward, no motion at all. No bobbing up and down. No shifting side to side or anything. It was like someone took the upper half of Santa Claus and the lower half of Usain Bolt and meshed them together to form this overweight Olympic skipping athlete. And I really cannot overstate how dope this man looked when he skipped. No one should look that cool when you skip. Not if you're 70 years old, too. I'm trying to describe it to you, but truly, you had to be there in order to understand my awe. And the speed of his skipping, too. So, I'm six foot three. I have a large stride, so I can run pretty fast. But if I were to try and catch up with 
Mr. Santa. Obviously, I could, and I probably wouldn't have to sprint, but it'd be pretty close. I honestly could not believe how fast this man was skipping down the terminal and how aerodynamic and how sick he looked while doing it. And the fact that he was wearing a Santa outfit and the fact that he just said he was going to steal two children in broad daylight and scared another family in passing mid-skip, dude? Airport Santa Claus? Airport Irish accent pirate Santa Claus? Is my absolute hero. Is he crazy? Probably. Is dressing up like a fictional character a sad thing for an old man to do? Most certainly. But it worked. Because I noticed you, Captain Jack Santa Claus. And I hope you find peace. <laughs> God, his skipping form was so cool. Oh, ooh, okay. Okay, now it's time to, of course, address the elephant in the room that's been way too reluctant to leave the absolute shit show, travesty of a year that is 2020. Guys, this year has certainly been a decade. Time for me has folded on top of itself and days aren't even worth quantifying anymore. Online learning is getting easier, but as a result, my eyes have been twitching from eye strain and video games aren't as fun for me because of that. However, those problems are manageable and pretty insignificant when you consider the fact that, dude, so many people have lost their jobs and are still losing their jobs and are, and are unable to find jobs. And some people have even lost their loved ones to COVID, their homes to COVID since they're unable to pay rent. And look, no matter how successful or well-off someone is, I assure you they've been feeling the effects of the pandemic in some capacity. But I'm prepared to offer a small glint of optimism. This has been going on since, what, the end of February? The middle of February? I don't know, almost a whole year. This has been going on for almost a year. And we're still here fighting and struggling of course but we're still here i'm not sure about you guys but this has been the most stressful and challenging era in my entire life and i imagine it's the same for many of you the fact that we're here that we've made it this far and are able to endure this massive paradigm shift and shittiness is a testament to how strong we really are and how strong we can be and it's sad that we don't really feel that way because acknowledging our strengths doesn't make the pain go away. But if you allow yourself to take a break from the hysteria and the panic to really look at yourself and what you've accomplished, even if you're worse off now than before, your skin is thicker. Your endurance has increased. Your mind has now adapted to handle more pressure. And that matters. You've made it this far. You've already proven that you can keep making it. So I hope that gives you at least a little bit of hope or accomplishment. Because even if you haven't, let's say you haven't done anything this year. Let's say you've just been a hermit and you've just sat at your house or wherever you live and literally have done nothing. You remember, this is a tangent, 
that SpongeBob episode, and if you haven't watched SpongeBob, who even are you? Where Patrick has like no useful skills and he like goes to the Krusty Krab to work with SpongeBob and he's trying to like do what he does but he can't he can't even fucking do the simplest shit and then <laughs> he gets an award for doing absolutely nothing you are Patrick Star now at first you might take offense to that and say oh Jaden I'm not stupid you're calling me stupid Patrick's a stupid character I'm not like him okay yeah Patrick's a stupid character that's not my point <clears throat> My point is, Patrick failed so many times, but he failed forward, meaning he kept trying, he kept putting himself out there, and despite his inability, his objective inability to really do anything, he didn't let that stop him from being himself for existing during a time when the whole world is stacked against him, you know, and eventually, he failed forward hard enough to where he got an award. And of course, the award for doing absolutely nothing is a joke. But he made it through. He did what he could, you know? And if you're struggling right now, you are doing what you could. You are Patrick Star. You are a star. I have a question. Amidst all this chaos, are people still making New Year's resolutions? I feel like what drives people to make resolutions is the moment when they're able to take a step back, you know, reflect on their decisions throughout the year and say, you know what, I gained 20 pounds this year, I need to lose weight. Or, hey, I was kind of an asshole this year, I'm going to start being kinder to others. But are people really conscious of those things this year? Also, I've been pretty, hot take here, uh, I've been pretty anti-New Year's resolution for a long time. I think they're a bit silly and detrimental to one oneself and one's well-being. And it's not that I don't want people to think about their life choices and see what things they can do better and improve upon, you know, both physically and mentally. It's not that. It's not that I don't want people to grow as individuals or become healthier or happier or whatever the case may be. I'm all for that. My issue is not with the sentiment itself, but with the societal pressure that surrounds it. Okay, here's how my brain works. Just bear with me for this one. Why wait until the end of a year to finally start thinking about how you can make a significant change in your life for the following year? when you can make small adjustments and take small steps towards that same goal every day throughout that year. People create these generalized resolutions like, in 2021, I'm going to work out more, or in 2021, I'm going to eat healthier. But by the time 2021 rolls around and people start to embark on these resolutions, they're overwhelmed with how hard it actually is. They're stockpiling all these responsibilities, and by the second or third week, they're burnt out and tired of it. And a lot of it has to do, I think, with the construct of labeling these as New Year's resolutions. A lot of people feel obligated to participate as if it's this grand global activity that everyone's doing. Because everyone always talks about it. Hey Jeff, what are your New Year's resolutions? Mine are XYZ. 
I feel like it's become something that people just say they're doing just to say that they're doing it. It's like December is this magic key that allows people to unlock this self-reflexive part of their brains. They see New Year's marked on their calendars, and I don't know, it, it seems to trigger something inside of them, and they're like, hey look, time to make resolutions. I don't know, I think you're far better off making daily or even weekly improvements to your life that are genuine and without societal pressure than you are waiting until it's too late and saying, wow, I really let myself go this year. I need to turn this around. But let's start next year. Let's start tomorrow. It's so much easier to make daily resolutions to become better. In my opinion, anything done of your own volition gives you far better results than doing things out of obligation, which I think the construct of quote-unquote New Year's resolution as an activity sort of in turn makes it an obligation to a lot of people, something that they should be doing rather than something that they want to do. Uh, but that's what I think, and who cares what I think? Okay. If you thought that I would go the rest of 2020 without talking about politics in some form, you are incorrect, which kind of sucks because, I mean, maybe it doesn't suck. I don't think it sucks. It's not as entertaining, but I've become so much more politically involved just because of the election and these specific candidates and covid and everything that's been happening outside of politics but then has permeated into politics because everything is politicized and i think a lot of people have too and that's a really really good thing uh but it's just it plagues my mind a lot and i kind of feel like i need to talk about it in a public like f on a public platform so if you're a tax-paying citizen or if you've tuned in to the TV for more than five minutes these past few weeks, you should know that the House of Representatives passed a vote for raising the second wave of stimulus relief checks to $2,000 after President Trump proposed and signed the bill into law. If you didn't know, the original amount was $600. The vote passed 275 to 134, which is only two more votes than the needed two-thirds vote the House needs in order to pass. But of course, as this is the nature of bipartisanship, the Senate, a.k.a. Mitch McConnell, blocked it. And just like that, the stimulus checks are now back down to $600. Now, I'm not mad. I'm just a bit disappointed. We're encroaching upon a full year of being in this pandemic. And so far, the only relief that people have gotten is one check of $1,200. Now, I don't say that with any slight or greed, like, oh, I need more. I say that because objectively speaking, that's not enough. That's just the truth. Whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, you know someone who is struggling to keep their head above water, or maybe it's you. $1,200 is barely one month of rent, depending upon where you live. I understand that when the first round of stimulus checks were being distributed and the whole thing was being discussed, like how much money should we give the American people, Cong Congress probably thought 
that it would be enough. It would be substantial because, hey, we'll be out of the pandemic and back to normal pretty soon. So there's no need to give people too much money. I get that sort of. However, that's not the case now, right? Now we know how serious this shit is and how much it's been impacting Americans by the millions. It's been too long. But instead of raising the second round of stimulus or hell, even keeping it the same, you're now having it down to $600? What? What the shit is that going to do? And I'm not preaching to just the blue or just the red. It's not just Democrats who are advocating for this money. Unemployment and financial struggle doesn't discriminate against parties. Republicans have it bad too. No matter who you are, if it's not you, you have friends and family members who are about to be on the street if they're not already. And so it boggles my mind that this is all the government's prepared to give. And if you're curious, here's a little bit about my particular financial situation. Uh, So I graduated undergrad in 2019. I went to school full-time and worked part-time on Friday and Saturdays every week, every weekend. This was my life for four years. And like the majority of college adults, I didn't qualify for the first round of stimulus checks because my parents paid for essentially all my schooling and thus claimed me as a dependent. Was I upset that I didn't qualify? Not all that much because I didn't necessarily need that $1,200 and I was grateful for what I had and for what I was given. However, I still think I deserved it because I worked and I worked hard and a lot and I paid taxes. So while I was fine without it, I still think it wasn't exactly fair that students like me got absolutely nothing, but whatever. Come 2020, and I'm out of school, still working, and then I apply for grad school. I get in, I move, I lease an apartment, I now pay all of my student expenses and living expenses myself, and I'm no longer claimed as a dependent. Also, I'm living on a graduate assistantship stipend, which, trust me, sounds much cooler in words than it does in dollars. It's not that much, it's just enough to live, really. So not only did I not get anything the first time around, which which would have made my transition a lot less stressful, but I also don't qualify until I file my 2020 tax returns next spring. Now the good news is I'll receive the first stimulus and the second at some point, which is nice. But the whole point to me even saying all this, why I am injecting myself into this broader discussion is henceforth. I'm, I'm chilling, right? Like I'm, I'm doing okay. And it's still tough. Imagine everyone else who isn't getting any income right now. A lot of you are probably in the same boat as me, where even though you're chilling, you're fine. You're not like dying. That doesn't mean it's been easy, right? There's so many other people who aren't chilling right now. And the worst part of it is it's not even their fault. And there's nothing they can do except wait for help to come and pray that the help is enough. You know, I think enough bad things have happened this year. So now I want to talk about the one good thing that's happened in 2020, a truly amazing thing and we all know what it is right so here okay on the count of three we're all gonna say it out loud ready 
the one good thing that's happened in 2020 on three. All right. One, two, three. Carly Rae Jepsen's latest album. I mean, am I right? Dude, something that I think about so often is how virality and popularity in the mainstream works, particularly how it comes and goes so suddenly and quickly for so many celebrities. Do y'all remember Carly Rae Jepsen, the Canadian singer-songwriter known for the 2012 hit, Call Me Maybe? You remember the song. Come on, you remember. The song I was like, Hey, I just met you, and this is crazy, but here's my number, so call me maybe. Bro, this song was everywhere for so long. People of all ages sang this from the rooftops, chanting the chorus from all across the world, and with the snap of a finger, one Thanos snap was all it took for boom, gone, no more Carly Rae Jepsen. Jepsen? Jepsen. She still is releasing music consistently. What I just, that snippet that you heard was a 2020 album. Now, maybe you're amongst the minority of people who still follow her music and keep up with all that she's releasing. But for most people, she goes from being one of the most popular songwriters of the century to a name we hardly even recognize anymore. And even worse, to someone we completely forget about. And that's not to say she's not doing fine. I'm sure she's fine but as far as the public consciousness goes she's done with and forgotten we see this all the time gangnam style i have the tiger more recently panda by designer panda 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 Get up! but it's not just music it's everything viral the keyboard cat nian cat charlie bit me damn daniel potter puppet pals david after the dentist the list goes on odds are there are those of you listening who don't know at least one or two of those trends that's how quickly they come and go. At one moment, they are all anyone is ever talking about. Their slang enters Urban Dictionary. We reference them at work or at school with our friends. They become etched into our brains like a second language. And then the next moment, gonzo. As if Will Smith showed up in a suit and tie and had us look into a neuralizer and wiped it from our memory. Our focus shifts so fast it's insane what's important to us socially one day becomes obsolete the next and i have absolutely no idea how that works not just how our attention moves but what it moves to i've asked this question to so many other people and especially myself so many times and that is what what property of something makes it go viral it's not the content of the thing itself. There's tons and tons, hundreds of thousands of memes, GIFs, videos. By the way, it's GIF, not GIF. It's not, it stands for graphic interchange format, not graphic interchange format. Anyway, <laughs> there's hundreds of thousands of videos and slang and other trends that is just worthy of going viral as anything I just mentioned a minute ago. So many things carry, I guess I'll, I'll call it, 
this recessive gene for virality, and I want to know what makes one thing go viral instead of another. Now the simple answer is luck, right? It just depends on who sees the thing, who it's shared to, who happens to click on it, but it's also when the thing is produced, when it shows up on a person's feed, and for how long. It also depends on what's going on in those people's lives at that specific time of them seeing the piece of content. Are they happy? Are they sad? I imagine their emotional state plays a role in whether or not they find the thing shareable. There's thousands of factors at play that collide simultaneously. All these minute and subtle shifts in the world that catalyze something going viral. It's not dissimilar from the creation of the universe. It sort of just happens to get picked up and there it is. And that's crazy. But anyway, I think that's going to do it for the last episode of the longest year in history. It's been something. It's been it's been a thing. It <laughs> If you, if you had to like sum up this year in one word, I'm trying to think of what word it would be. Different is too boring. Difficult is too easy. Tragic is closer. Uh, I don't know, I guess the best thing, the best I can do is just to say that this year has been a roller coaster with more dips than inclines but actually no roller coaster is a horrible word because those are fun and this year has definitely not been fun you know what this year has been dummy thick and i'm just gonna leave it at that um yeah if you enjoyed the episode i'm gonna say what i always say and that is feel free to leave a positive review on apple podcasts if you want to write me something or if you don't want to you can just rate it five stars or one star if you hate me also follow it on spotify you can also get it there um but yeah thank you so much for listening throughout the year i started the podcast in august september one of the months i don't even remember this year's been way too long uh but yeah it's been it's been very fun it's a it's a great way for me to just sort of talk about things that i normally internalize way too much and it feels good and it's nice to know that there's at least one person one or two people who can get something from it um so yeah and i'm just i'm thankful for that so thank you so much for listening i will catch y'all in the new year hopefully it's not as bad hopefully there's a lot more positivity but we shall see if it turns out to be worse you'll be hearing about it right here if it's better you'll be hearing about it right here and if it's the same i'm gonna have to come up with some other stuff to talk about but we'll cross that bridge when we get there thank you guys i hope you have a nice relaxing new year's and as always, be safe and have a good day.